0: This is B2B Enablement, a Click.io podcast created to inspire sales and marketing leaders navigating digital transformation. I'm your host, Dave Carr, and on this show, we'll share actionable insights to build winning digital strategies and deliver better sales results with your customers hello everyone and welcome to episode number 21 of B2B Enablement and today we've got a really fun topic to talk about. We're going to talk about how to establish a culture of data inside your organization. And so if you're like most B2B companies data is always top of mind how you capture it, how do you apply it, and more importantly how do you monetize it. And the challenge I think a lot of us get into is that there is fantastic technology available to help us capture that data, but technology is only valuable if the people in the organization are actually using it and allowing it to guide the company to achieve their goals. So with me today, uh, I have Nick Amabile, and he is the CEO of DOS42, a total expert in the realm of data, much, much more than I am. (laughs) And I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with him about how to create a culture of data inside your organization. So I'll give Nick just a couple of seconds here to do a quick intro, and then we'll hop straight into the topic.
1: Awesome, hey Dave, thanks for having me on. Really excited to be here. Yeah, so um, you know, Dos Forty Two is a boutique data analytics consulting firm, and uh, we help businesses of all sizes and different industries. Uh, as you said, really use data throughout their organization. I mean, this, I mean, especially with the move to digital, uh, every everything that you do these days has has data, of course. For B2B companies, it's mostly focused on sales. Uh, but also, if you're in the manufacturing industry, you can think about inventory and manufacturing and supply chain. So this is all real complex stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we at DOS42 help our customers really make sense of all this uh, in a much more simpler way than it sounds. So really excited to be here and kind of explore the topic today with you, Dave.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, and you know, you guys would know as well as anybody the challenge that just exists. And you know, creating data is the easy part. And I think that especially with the advent of so many systems. We can all do that. It's interpreting it and putting it to work. So, um, well, you know, we'll probably have listeners that are on all ends of the spectrum. You know, you may be doing a pretty good job with data in your organization. You may just be getting started. So let's just begin at the most elementary level. Like what is causing and driving this big focus on data in organizations? And what sort of trends are you seeing recently around that?
1: Yeah, so like I kind of mentioned, I think one of the major trends is just the move to digital. And that could be everything from digital marketing to -to direct-to-consumer and e-commerce. A lot of our companies are in a transition period. Um, But also, modern businesses today have, I don't know, numerous uh, SaaS applications that they use, whether that's for their ERP, for their billing, Uh, like I said, for supply chain manufacturing. So all these different, um, you know, SaaS applications create data silos, which basically means that your supply chain data can't talk to your customer data and that kind of thing, right? So really, that's that's a key trend that we've been seeing. And I mean, even for our business, which is, you know, 60 something people, we use, I don't know, 30 or 40 different SaaS applications. We face this challenge just as well, just as much as anyone else. And so the first step on any kind of data and analytics project is really understanding the business goals. Um, so like we like to say that at dos 42 we're not an IT services firm, we are a business consulting firm. And it's really about understanding, okay, what are the sales motions? What, what does the go-to-market look like for our customers? How do they make money? Just all these basic things that we try to understand. And then we take our lens of you know just industry experience, best practices, and try to work backwards to a technical solution. I think a lot of times um, when folks are taking on data projects, they start from the opposite side. They start from the technology first, and then move to the business uh, side of things last. And then they sort of figure out, okay, why is not is this not meeting my business needs? Well, it's because he started with the wrong uh, wrong wrong priorities first. So, if if I can you know offer one tip to everyone out there is certainly to start first with the business goals, and then work backwards to a technical solution, and and not the other way around.
0: You know, it's funny to hear you say that, Nick, because I think I, I have probably given this example like three or four times on the podcast before, but like throwing technology at a problem, you yes. know, and the, the classic case of, hey, we've got to fix something, we need more data, we need whatever, fill in the blank, marketing automation. So you just go get a system and you yep. pay for it and you don't have a strategy, you don't have a plan, and then it ends up wrecking and then you blame the system and everybody gets angry. So... Oh, yeah. um so, so talk to us maybe a little more around, you know, if you're a business and you're starting down that journey, granted, you've already kind of covered the most important point that you got to think about your, your business priorities. What steps beyond that does a company start to take when they think about, hey, what technology do I need to implement? And then how do I make that work as a cohesive system?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I mean, like, you know, as you mentioned kind of at the top of the show here, there's so much data technology and analytics technology out there. In fact, there's there's an industry report coming out called The the um, the, the Landscape of Data and Analytics. Uh, and it has like, I don't know, a thousand different logos and vendors on there from software companies. And this is basically what our customers at Dots42, they're facing that uh, challenge, right? They're trying to figure out what does each thing do? What is the overlap? How do they work together? So on and so forth. But really what we do is we start technology agnostic. What we start with is centralizing data in one place. And so typically that looks like a data warehouse. That could be anything from like a snowflake, which a lot of folks have heard about due to the recent IPO, Um, you know, Redshift, which is an Amazon Web Services product, so on and so forth. There's a bunch of different ones. And it doesn't really matter which one you choose. I mean, of course, we have opinions on, on technology, but at the end of the day, the goal is to get the data in one place. So that's taking your you know, supply chain data, your customer data, your sales data, um, you know, inventory data, all in one place so that you can sort of join it together and create really a 360 degree view of your business. That's the first step. The second step then is to actually create uh, business meaning out of that data. And so typically that could be like a semantic layer, that could be data marts it basically translates rows and columns and tables and database concepts into more of like a business concept like customers orders etc uh and so that that that's really the key piece and I, you know i used to work as the head of business intelligence at jet.com which is a big e-commerce company that got sold to walmart and you know the challenge that i faced in my career is having different numbers for the same metric. so if you ask somebody hey how many orders do we have yesterday you're going to get 10 different answers from 10 different people and that's that's really frustrating right because then people are arguing about you know is your number right is my number right whatever and it's not about what should we do about this like what what is the insight or what is the action that we should be taking so that's a real critical step right there
0: you know it's interesting you start talking about all the the different silos and, and teams working together i would really like to get your take on thoughts around how you structure a team around data. And, you know, I know that, you know, having more business analysts or more data analysts and even now data scientists is becoming really popular in in organizations. I think B2B is still lagging a little bit about in that. But what are your thoughts? I mean, how have you seen the best organizations handling it from a team?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, and, and I think we actually have a blog on this that we can uh, link to in the show notes. But there's a couple of different methodologies to structure teams, and as you said, there's a lot of confusion I think in the industry too about titles, like what's a data scientist versus an analyst versus a data engineer. But cent- but, but generally, there's a couple of different methodologies to structure teams, and one is a centralized team, and the other on the other side of the spectrum is a decentralized team. And for most companies, a centralized team is a great place to start, and really, um, you know, de- depending on size and other things, but it becomes really efficient to have one team that kind of has a single view of what's going on. Um, and that team can start small. I mean, typically we see a lot of our customers, you know, in the B2B world or on the small side of the scale um, starting with just like a, a finance analyst, for example, somebody who really knows the business very intimately uh, you know, maybe prepares forecasts and other things like that. So they know the business drivers um, and they know the data sets quite well. It's really about enabling those folks then with the right technology to do what they, do better uh, and faster. So uh, but centralized is really a good way to start. And you don't need to start very uh, large. You can start with just a few data analysts is kind of what I would say. Folks who are proficient in like SQL queries uh, and business intelligence tools. It doesn't have to get super complicated. And especially these days, a lot of the technology out there is really self-service and really easy to maintain. Uh, it's all cloud-based, so it's not like you're going out and making a huge IT investment right off the bat, buying servers and all this kind of complicated stuff. Um, but that's really where we come in and help a company, right? If if, if you have a small analytics team who maybe is um, not super technical, maybe they have some basic SQL queries or, or, or sorry SQL skills, um, we can come in and really accelerate that, set up the foundation, and then help leverage help them leverage the tools uh, more efficiently.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think those are great thoughts, and one of the things you know, I always try to reiterate, and this is for all topics we talk about on the podcast, is just the importance of, of starting small and taking, yeah. m- you know, meaningful steps over time. And I'll, I'll give you a real life example. You know, uh, my former employer, I, I ran marketing for a, a company called Mayor Electric. They're one of the largest electrical distributors in the U.S. And, you know, in that organization, we were right around a, a billion uh, dollars in revenue. Uh, and we started with just one individual, and it was uh, yep. just a, a killer. I mean, this was like a data Jedi guy. Uh, his name was Scott Wagner. If, if Scott is listening, then kudos to you, man. You've always done such a great job. But Scott was our go-to guy to really help us pull all of that together and our analytics and, and and what all that meant. Because we were looking across like an ERP. You know, we had Oracle and JD Edwards, and then we had Domo as our BI tool. So I I think you know no matter where you are, and again, that's an example from a a, a billion with a B dollar. A company that's using just one person and then t- kind of stepping into that so yep. i think that there is a continuum and no matter how big or small you are there is a way to start start small and, and work up
1: yeah and I'll, and I'll i'll just say i mean when we go into companies and do projects to set these these tools up and, and kind of set these processes up we always focus on one use case you know we start with one thing and so like you said it could be taking the ERP data and joining it with, I don't know, customer data or whatever it is, or transaction data in a different light, right? So it's always one or two high value use cases that we really focus on first, as opposed to, hey, we're gonna boil the ocean here with all these different data sets all the different things that you might want to do but really it's also about that adoption piece right once once folks kind of understand the power of what data can do for them they get really excited and then all the other teams that maybe you know weren't a part of that first use case are like hey i want that how can you how can i get that right and so that gets the momentum going because a lot of times uh, you just don't have that if you're you know taking 6 months or a year to deliver a project or deliver some business value so that's what we focus on is really quick time to value
0: there you go well, I think that's a good lead into to the next question I had, which is around when you see companies take these first steps and you're implementing technology and new platforms and new processes, what are some typical road bumps that you've seen with organizations where they have challenges, and what are some suggestions about how to minimize those in your business?
1: Yeah, it's really those two things that I kind of hit on earlier, actually. It's just starting from the business use cases, identifying one or two high-value use cases, really making sure that you're able to knock that out of the park end to end so it doesn't mean you know you know delivering something end to end basically means in my view um, getting it into the hands of business users who are non-technical right because that's really the key uh, at the end of the day like you you know you mentioned dave that you're in uh, marketing right you know you know a lot about marketing for, for the company that you're working at right you probably know a lot more than me if i was a data analyst you know a lot more about marketing and what you want to do so it's really about enabling folks in the marketing department the sales department the finance supply chain whatever it is enabling them to ask and answer their own questions that's really the goal uh, and you have to start from figuring out what are what you know what does your day to day look like you know are you spent spending time in Excel or downloading data from different marketing tools or CRM tools and kind of merging it all together by hand right so understanding kind of what the current processes look like today understanding with an expert like folks at DOS forty two, we can come in and say, here's exactly where we can plug in data and analytics to make you more effective as a marketer or as a salesperson, rather than uh, somebody from technology or IT saying, Hey, like this is the latest this is the latest um, you know, shiny object that we want to install here for you guys. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and I like what you had to say too about, you know, whoever the users are and the further you can get down the chain, the more important because yeah. then I mean if you the, the real win is if you can get field level salespeople to, to start buying into technology, then you have hit the holy grail man because good luck getting that far down. <laughs> uh, and believe me, I've seen it with CRM systems and sales enablement what, which is what my company does. But the further you know you, like you said, you can get down and, and provide value to those people. And what I think really becomes the fun part and maybe this is just because I'm a data nerd too, but when you start figuring out, you know, hey, what is it, what is it you need to know to do your job better? And then even if you, as you know, an analyst or a data scientist or or whatever, have no idea what that's about. So you may not know anything about my marketing strategy, but understanding where the data needs to come from and plug into the system to help me do my job better or help a salesperson to to do their job better. I think that's where the real magic starts to happen.
1: Yeah, well, you know, this this reminds me of of a story from a customer of ours. Um, We went in and and they're actually a a B2B, um, you know, sales company They they actually make sort of access control products for, uh, for commercial buildings like residential buildings and uh, you know other commercial buildings. Uh, and they had sales folks who would call up a customer, um, you know, a QBR type motion or something like that, where they would review the account with the customer and say, hey, you know, how do you like the products? How, you know, how, how is it sort of helping you out? Uh, And a lot of times the salespeople would get blindsided because they didn't realize that the customer had opened like 10 different, you know, uh, tickets with the customer support team saying like, this thing is broken, it's not working, I can't figure it out, whatever it was, right? So the customer, uh, the salesperson would call the customer up saying, hey, are you ready for that contract renewal? Uh, You know, do you want some more product? And they're like, no, like, I have 10 tickets that you guys haven't answered. What's going on? So the, the salesperson was completely blindsided by this, right? And so like one of the things that we've done for that customer and for other customers is kind of create this customer health dashboard. So a salesperson, when they're calling on a customer, can have all the information about this customer in one place. And again, like that's a really good example where we have data coming in from a CRM system, data coming in from some customer service, uh, help desk type system. Uh, plus the contract data and all that kind of stuff appearing in one place, so the customer now has, or the salesperson has everything about that customer, <clears throat> excuse me, right in front of them when they call in the customer, and there's no surprises anymore. So uh, that that that's one of my favorite stories that uh, of how data, to your point, really helps the folks on the front lines talking to the customers day in day
0: out. That's a great example, and you know you're you're speaking my language as well because what we do in sales enablement uh, with our system at Click.io is collect information about customer engagements for the same mm. reason so that salespeople yep. can have a better idea of what's going on in the buying cycle, how engaged someone is, what they're looking at, what content's resonating, all the way up to you know, to the marketing level where you can start putting ROI to that. But the one thing that can break anything down, and no matter what system it is, is if the salespeople don't have a central place to go look at that. And yep. so you know whether it's salesforce.com or, or wherever you're housing that interface uh, to your sales team, that is extremely important into creating that sort of mindset and creating as we talked about in the opener of the podcast that culture of data and so maybe that's the perfect segue because i'm sure there's probably some people who have heard that term it's kind of you know it's kind of becoming a buzzword like you gotta have a culture of data but how would you define that like what is a culture of data inside an organization
1: yeah, it's a really good question. I, I think it hits on a lot of the points that we've already discussed, which is you know, folks on the front lines who traditionally don't know how to program, don't know a lot about databases and other things like that, enabling them to ask and answer their own questions. So you may start out with kind of a, a centralized uh, data and analytics team. Could be like one person like we kind of talked about. You might start small. But really, what you want to get to to really have a data driven culture is have this self service model where now it's not just one person in the organization who's pulling reports and things like that. It's folks on the front lines being able to access these reports uh, on their own without going through a centralized team. And you mentioned a really good point there, which is you know, a lot of times when we're working with customers, we identify these workflows and we figure out how to bring the data into the workflows versus how to get somebody from the workflow to some other tool, right? So if, if salespeople are already in Salesforce, what we want to do is bring the analytics and the data that we might be working on into Salesforce so folks don't have to go learn a new new tool or, or go, you know, to figure something else out. They're, the data is right there where they're already using uh, on a day-to-day basis uh, the tools that they're already using. So that's one of the critical things. And, you know, really when you think about adopting these new technologies and these new processes because there is a big change management component to these type of projects uh, it's about using the carrot and not the stick, right? So we don't want to say, hey, guys, we're shutting this thing down. You got to now go over here. It's like, no, we, we want to make it really easy for you. So it's like this is something that now is the carrot where it's going to be like this. Your job is easier now. You're going to be more excited about you know coming to work every day and more productive. And uh, instead of taking you know six hours to manually put together this report or something like that for, in Excel with multiple sources, it's all automated, right? And so now folks are really excited about things. Uh, and that's really the key is just get folks excited about the data and, and bring the data to where they're already working uh, on a day-to-day basis rather than kind of, you know, hitting them over the head and say, now you have to go over here.
0: The, well, the carrot approach always wins. And I have, you know, I've been in a couple of different organizations where we've done Salesforce.com implementations. And I've seen a spectrum, you know, from, hey, we're going to mandate this. It's big brother. You're going to have to do it all to, hey, you know, we're going to take it very lightly and we're going to try to make it valuable. And I mean, every time it it always goes better when you've got that carrot approach versus the stick approach. And yep. you know, with all things data, and you know, we talked about like Domo, um, one of the systems that I had used in the past. This mm-hmm. the same thing there. You know, we rolled that system out. At first, it was a real challenge to get anybody out of the C suite to use it, yeah. or, or the VP level, right? Everything below that mm-hmm. became a real challenge. But when you started providing value, it's like, well, hey, you can go in and look at all your your sales pipeline. You can go in and look at all your, yep. you know, your your margins or or whatever fill in the blank on your analytics that's when it became valuable and then people saw it as, you know, a benefit to the way that they did, they did business. Um, you know, I know you've given a, a couple of examples of just some tactical things you can do to start, you know, reinforcing that culture, but at a just 30,000 foot level, if you are, you know, an executive in a B2B company, you're listening to this podcast, what are some of the things you should be thinking about to start building that data culture?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, you know, it's it's really about, you know, I think from, from a management perspective, really driving accountability and transparency. So in other words, you know, everyone needs to be on that same sheet of music rather than sort of arguing about data and who's, whose numbers are right. So, you know, making sure that there's a governance process in place, that there is sort of everyone is clear on when we say orders or when we say sales or when we say customers from a data perspective, exactly what does that mean? And that's a, that's actually a really big challenge. And it really has nothing to do with technology again. This is something that we go into a lot of organizations and we start talking to different business units um, and multiple people will have multiple definitions for sales, orders, customers, whatever it is. Um, in a lot of cases, a lot of them are, are valid and sort of correct if you're looking at it from a certain lens, but really being very clear about data definitions and governance is something that we come in and help our customers with. So even just defining what we're talking about when I'm talking about really basic metrics and KPIs, like you said, margin. That's kind of complicated. One sometimes, right? Like, what do we include in the margin calculation versus not, right? So, uh, just making sure that we're we're pretty crisp in an organization about what we're talking about when we're talking about different KPIs and metrics.
0: Yeah, Yeah. getting that language aligned is is so important. And you know, like with so many rollouts, you find that the devil not only is it always in the details, but a lot of times it can be the simplest things too. And just you know, making sure you've got those basic blocking and tackling done. Um, how does an organization come to the decision around, do we need to go hire a consultant like somebody like DOS 42 to come in and help us with this project? Do we want to start it on our own? Do we bring somebody in the middle? How does that typically shake out? What are some of the things that would trigger someone to say we need help?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, you know, we we talked about one, which is just the, the vast array of different technology vendors out there, and folks are kind of confused about what's the difference between Snowflake and Redshift. Uh, what's you know, what does this product do for data science versus data analytics? So it's quite confusing. A lot of the a lot of the terminology is confusing. So you know, technology selection is one. But I think even before we get into technology selection, most customers are already feeling some sort of pain point, if you will, right? And that's sort of a classic thing. Uh, Where, you know, like I said, maybe you're preparing uh, a weekly business report or something like that. And it's taking somebody on your team hours to do it a week. Right. And maybe the numbers aren't as fresh as you'd like. So instead of doing, you know, looking at the numbers on a weekly basis, you might want to look at it on a daily basis. Right. Um, Because a week could be too old to inform different decisions that you want to make. So kind of when you start to feel that pain, and I think you know for, for small smaller companies, to be honest, a lot of times Excel works quite well and sort of everyone knows what's going on. Everyone's on the same page because just it's just the nature of small companies. But once that starts to break down and now we're not really sure what we're talking about or if the numbers are correct and, and just that that sort of trust and transparency and data, that's when you might want to bring in a, a consultant like us. And I think one of the things that I'll say is, you know, not only do we have kind of a pattern and an architecture that we've used many Many, many times to really accelerate these projects. The other thing I'd say is these projects don't actually take all that long. I mean, I'll, I think traditionally folks would say, hey, this is going to take six months or a year, or a year plus. You know, we do a lot of projects in 12 weeks uh, and we get out of 12 weeks, we, we lay a foundation for, for the long term for, for our customers and then get like a lot of the basic use cases out of the way. So like sales, customers, inventory, things like that. Uh, and that's, that's a 12 week project. So, you know if if we're talking about um you know when customers might want to bring us in is, is thinking about hey what are these pain points and what's the cost benefit of hiring folks which is very difficult in the data and analytics world i mean we have to hire folks too so uh, hiring them uh, and then there's risks associated with that maybe they're good maybe they're not right maybe it's going to work out maybe not but from our perspective you know we're an expert in, in these technologies we're an expert in these type of projects and we do them quickly uh, to accelerate uh, time to value for our customers. And we do it uh, in a way that, that'll scale for the long term for them.
0: Yeah, and it's it's so difficult to internally to have to come to the conclusion to go spend money externally. And especially if you're a yeah. large organization and you say, okay, why well, do we just hire for this role? Do we reappoint somebody? But you know, I, I'm a firm believer in whatever you choose to do and whether it's data analytics, marketing, sales, ops, fill in the blank if you're not taking an approach where you're putting a person in place that can just live and breathe that full time, you know, it's gonna be a challenge. And that could be a reason to say, hey, maybe we need a third party that can really, really live and breathe this. Or maybe even if we have a person that that lives and breathes it, but they don't have enough bandwidth and they need to supplement that with another organization. Um, Yeah,
1: that's right. And, you know, I don't think these are mutually exclusive. It's not like hire an external team or don't hire an internal team, right? Really, uh, I mean, like I, like I said before, like I've been at a BI at different companies and, and I've built teams around this internally as well as as a consultant. But uh, on the consulting side, we want to pass it off to our customers, right? Like we I firmly believe that uh, every organization should have competencies and capabilities with data and analytics. So really what we're doing is laying a great foundation uh, for for then our customers and clients to take that over the long term, build a team against and build that practice out we're really just laying that foundation, best practices, the technical implementation, all that stuff is is something that we do quickly, but we want to pass it off to our customers for the long term.
0: Yeah, great point. Well, as we get kind of toward the end here, um, you know, one of the things I always try to ask my guests from a tactical standpoint, you know, for somebody listening to this that wants to walk away and say, hey, what are some things I could do tomorrow in my, inside my organizations? What are your What are your top three? Where would you say, you know, are the most important uh Thoughts to leave people with?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think you know the the one thing is uh, we talked about it is just start thinking about you know what are your core KPIs and standardize those KPIs. Even if it's you know again not even technical, just make sure that you write it down and say, okay, this is what we mean when we talk about margin. This is what we mean when we talk about orders and sales. Uh, get everyone on that same page and start thinking about um, governance. You have data in your organization. Start thinking about how you're going to govern it and manage it, and then try to make sure that you're able to get data to as many people as possible in your organization.
0: Great. Well, uh, listen, I'm gonna drop some links in the show notes uh, for Nick's LinkedIn profile. If you wanna reach out and connect with him individually, we'll also put some links to some of the resources that uh, Nick Nick mentioned around data analytics. Uh, we've got some as well, just some blogs and other other resources that can help you understand more about how to use data, particularly when it comes to your sales and marketing activities. So we'll drop all of that in the show notes. Uh, but Nick, we really appreciate you taking time to join. And uh, I mean, I could talk about this time for hours, but uh, I, cert- I certainly hope that uh, all our listeners got something good out of this. Uh, if you're finding uh, this podcast valuable, make sure to hit the like button or subscribe. Uh, both of those are ways that we build our reach and other people can help uh, help other people find us and, uh, and continue to spread uh, knowledge about B2B uh, sales and marketing and data and all the other things. So Nick, thanks so much for joining the show and uh, maybe we'll have you back again soon sometime.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Dave. Really enjoyed it. Talk to you soon.